We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, next fans. <laughs> How you doing? It's your boy John at the Backery with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, coming at you two thirds of the way through the season, or as close as the math will allow us to get to saying it is two thirds of the way through the season. I know you appreciate that distinction, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. How are you, sir? Hey, John. I can't believe we've gotten this far through the season already. It, you know, it's it's actually been pretty enjoyable. And time flies when you're having fun. That's what they say. I think so. Overall, yeah. Considering where this team could be, I think this has been a, this has been an okay season. I'm fine with that. I think that was. Um, I have these different things that wash over me as the weeks go by. Day, days turn into weeks, turn into months, and I think the thing that hit me this week as uh, the team played um, four very fun. Very competitive, very exciting um, games that like, you know, it wasn't perfect because it never is, but good effort. The whole thing, the thing that hit me this week more than anything was that this is a fun team, right? And this is a season, especially for this franchise with what we've had to deal with for basically most years since the 90s. This is a season we should appreciate. Um, or I mean, appreciates too strong. People can appreciate what they want to appreciate, but like in the grand scheme of sports, this is a season that that deserves to be enjoyed. And I, I that's why I asked you because I don't. It feels like it deserves to be enjoyed, but I don't know that it has always been enjoyable. If that makes any sense. Yeah, you listen. There are certainly rough moments, but we talked before about how many of the games that the Knicks lost have been by single digits, and how they're just showing a lot of effort. For the most part, and they're winning games. And I just don't, I, I don't think we can turn our, not we, but fans in general can kind of turn their noses at that, so to speak, in the sense of like, this would still be one of the best seasons that we've seen in quite a long time. Um, you know, other than, of course, the We Here season. Yep. And the Knicks are set up for success in a better way. It feels like a more sustainable team than it did two years ago. So, yeah, I'm really happy with the product. Sure, there are things I'd like to see differently, of course, but they're building 
it's just harder to see kind of like what the end goal is for a lot of people. And I understand and respect that, but it's not like the Knicks are at the point where they can't get to that point. And I think that's great. Yeah, no, that's well said. And um, I certainly don't begrudge anybody for having their quibbles uh, with, you know, the process as it has gone on, so to speak, uh, because, you know, it, it, it hasn't always been fun. But again, I think that more and more looking at a big picture overview of the season and me and Andrew talk about this a lot on the Patreon pod is how whatever issues that we have, you look around the league and it's just if there is a theme to this NBA season is that there is no consistency anywhere. No one is smooth sailing all the way through. Name me any literally any team, right? Uh, You know, you got this week is Memphis, right? Memphis. We don't need to talk about what's going on. Stories come out of Memphis. But like, you know, every every team has had their turn or or turns in the spotlights that they really probably don't want. Um, and the Knicks have had their share, um, including this week, which started off with, we should say, what the week that was, was. Uh, we can review Lakers, Knicks. Remember that game? That game. It's amazing we get on here and the game that was like the furthest away seems like a, a billion years ago. Like, mm-hmm. When did that happen? LeBron James came to the Garden and didn't score 138 points or whatever he needed at the time. So that was good. You were at that yeah, game, right? I was. Fun? Yeah. It it was enjoyable until... It was I think the Schroeder shot really is what kind of twisted everything. And, you know, then it was really competitive and the Knicks just couldn't find a way. Yeah. Feel the momentum shift a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was nice to see them come back. And then made it to overtime, but I still didn't feel like I was satisfied with that game. You know what I mean? It felt like one they really should have had and just yeah. incredibly frustrating. It's always frustrating when you go to the Garden and the other team's fans are louder a lot of times than your own. That's really annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. Um, mm-hmm. The only time I've ever had that happen was during a game against the Heat. And I believe didn't Dwayne, Dwayne Wade did the whole retirement tour thing, right? Yep. Okay. It was a game against it was Dwayne Wade's last game at the Garden. And my God, hashtag heat culture. They were all wearing their hashtags and they came out in droves. All of the Floridians up up in uh up in New York were trading places. Um so yeah, I, and and that game I think is the reason why you're jogging my memory, why this theme for me this week was like, hey, we should be enjoying this more because after that game, it was Andrew could correct me if I'm wrong if he wants to type it in the chat, but like that was as harsh as any post game that I've done this year in terms of like get rid of Julius Randle. I don't care what you get for him. Fired. I don't care what Tom Thibodeau does good. Fire him. Um, you know, it was just all it was very, very, very negative for a team for a game in which you took a team that, you know, when they have these two guys in the lineup, certainly not a bad team. Take them into overtime. They did some good things and but the, the last play of regulation just meant, I think, so much or symbolized so much to so many people. Which is why the last three games have been kind of nice. And I know it's only two and one. They didn't win the Clippers game, but even the Clipper game in the way, yes, the way they got to overtime was very annoying. But the way they come back, came back in that game. So beat the Heat without uh, Jalen Brunson. We'll talk about that in a second. And then lose the Clippers in overtime after what was a a 20-point turnaround in the fourth quarter. 134-128. And then... It was the most shocking result of the season. It was for me, Jeremy. 108-97, Knicks over Sixers. Uh, I have not been that shocked by a, by a game this season yet. Maybe with one or two exceptions. I'm curious what, what you think. 
floored. I was absolutely floored by the result of that game. Well, because you turn it on and, you know, shout out to the Pro Bowl. I get to watch that instead of the Knicks. Thanks a lot, ESPN. It's great. Yeah, I really wanted to see the Manning Bowl when neither of them's playing and it's flag football. Cool. Maybe another time, but not when my basketball team is on. And I actually want to watch that, but whatever. Um, You know, in the first quarter, it's like almost, wasn't it a 20 point? deficit anyone or close to it it, it was a 21, 21 point deficit at one point in the first yeah. quarter yeah. yeah and i just thought all right well, that's nice cool and the Knicks answer it with a 17-0 run of their own who'd have thought and then the sixers do a great job of protecting the ball for the first half one turnover and they can't stop turning it over their bench is yeah. terrible i couldn't believe that doc rivers actually played a lineup that didn't feature one of harden and Embiid for that long it just, I was impressed by how terrible job of a coaching that was for the Sixers and how poorly they played and how the Knicks exploited it with the, the unlikeliest of heroes coming in and Evan Fournier providing one of, if not the greatest post game lines of all time in regards to that. He felt like he wasn't going to get back into the rotation. It was more like a one night stand line just, of the year. It really is just, I, I really feel for him when he says that, but it's just such a hilariously true point that I'm like, you know what? This is potentially your last home moment in the garden. You deserve all of that. And so oh my goodness. I want to give him his flowers. Somehow talk about being too far in the forest to see the trees. I think I got that phrase, right? What you just said did not occur to me until just now. Like, and, and I'm glad you phrased it that way because he has had moments over, I mean, it, it, we forget about them, but the dude Celtics. had a lot of moments last year. Yeah, uh, Just plenty of them. Like yeah. when he was productive and in the rotation, he had a lot of really nice moments. The highlights, of course, were the Celtics games. Celtics game. Yep. Um, but even still, and, and I, you know, I went to the Clippers game as well. I know it's, it's annoying that two games I got to go to this week were both overtime losses. Can you stop? Teams from LA. No, I'm not going to stop because I have season tickets. <laughs> Screw you. I'm going. No, it, it, the, what happened is that I managed to just get the good tickets for a lot of these games. Okay. And when you see the good teams, the Knicks often lose, especially when it's at home. So it just works out that way. But Can I ask you real quick, what, yeah. before you move on, what, when the, when Batum shot went down, what, what was the feeling at that exact moment? I'm curious. So it's funny you say that because when that possession's happening in my mind, because I'm so conditioned to this, I'm like, they're going to hit a three. It's It's going to happen. Like I've seen this, a million times yep. and I like, you know, I'm on the, my seats are on the Clippers side okay. above and the 200. So I can see exactly everything that's going on. And um, I just, I see Paul George right there and I see a wide open Batum. And before I can even verbalize Batum, the ball is already getting to him. And like, that's his shot Like he, above the break three. He's yeah. so good at it. He's wide open. He's practically set. And the moment, like I, I don't mean to sound like LeBron where it's like stating what was painfully obvious, like making it up where it's like, yeah, I clearly know what's happening. It was like, just again, with fate and this player and everything, I was like, that's crap. And then it went in, of course, and it, a lot of people were groaning and that was not my reaction. My reaction was laughter. I was you laughing. Like- <laughs> I was laughing like the Joker. I just couldn't stop laughing. And... um and then finally, you know, the the overtime started and I was like, well, 
this is a good game, but uh, I don't trust the Knicks in this one. And sure enough, they then did not win. So, um, no, did not. but still, both games were fun. Just wish they weren't losses. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I was just curious because I was because the, the the comeback was so spirited and was so it felt so real. And it, I don't know, like what I wrote the next or that night, I guess, was that we had been through so many fake comebacks. That for once it felt like, oh my god, this is what this is a real comeback. This is this is what teams do against us. And then it it was not the be. Grimes three was huge. Like that was the most I'd seen in the garden from when I'd been there erupt since the Jalen Brunson three against the Hornets. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I've seen some fun competitive games in that time, but like that really punctuated the comeback. And then it deflated very quickly, and that was disappointing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing this week kind of, I think solidified is like, I think just kind of, this is what this team is, you know, every, you know, good, not every team has a personality because the personality of many a Nick team over the years was we suck. That was their personality. This team, but you know, if you're a good team or you're at least a decent team, I feel like you do get, you have a personality and this team's personality is like, I mean, I don't know if it's putting too fine a point on it, but like every game is going to come down to the wire for better or worse. You have a lead. It's going to come down to the wire. You're down big. It's going to come down to the wire. Um, You know, and I, there are worse things I think you could be, but it's also, I, I, it's enjoyable. It's, it's fun. Um, It's funny. I was looking at some stats earlier today. Um, Do you realize they actually um, are not, they don't have a losing record in clutch time games. Do you believe that? that probably most because of Jalen Brunson, I would imagine, but that's still surprising. I would have thought somehow it would have been a loss in terms of just like overall, but that's great. I, yeah, I didn't realize in, that in clutch time games, which is any, any game that features a situation with the scores within five in the last five minutes, they have a 13 and 13 record. Uh, so exactly 500. They're minus 1.4 in terms of net rating, which sounds bad. It's 17th in the league. So again, it's right in the middle. And then uh, NBA stats page is actually kind of cool. You can you could further um, you could uh, adjust the situation so you could do last four minutes, last three minutes, last two minutes, and then change like the the scores within whatever many points. So I adjusted it to because I was just curious. Last five minutes and either or sorry, last one minute. Um, and the score within three points. So essentially a one possession game. And I checked for both the last minute and the last 30 seconds. They've had 22 such games, which is the fourth most such games in the league. And their record in those games, 12 and 10. Would you believe that? It's wild. I did not. I did. I would not have expected. This. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so that has been this next season. Wild, wacky stuff. That has been this next week. Uh, wild and wacky stuff. Indeed. And uh, yeah, we're we're this is uh, one of the more fun weeks of the year. We'll see if it turns out to be a fun week for the Knicks. Um, we'll talk some trades, but first, a personal injury report from our friends at Weiss and Rosenblum. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. 
Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Um, yes. Leave, leave your leave your leave your case in the hands of a solid vet, which the Knicks has some solid vets now. Funny enough, yeah. those didn't feel that way like early in the season. It feels like they do have some solid veteran hands. Um, maybe not every veteran's hands, but some some solid veteran hands. <laughs> Speaking of hands, uh, Mitchell Robinson still nice. has that broken bone. Is <laughs> great. No, that's <laughs> flawless transition. I I approve. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, still has a broken bone in his thumb. Uh, he is still recovering. Did you make anything of his? Because I think it was after we last spoke. The Instagram post that referenced hit, hit a, a minor setback. I didn't even see it. Oh yeah. He, well, he said on Instagram that I don't know if Andrew wants to pop in. I I saw the picture. I don't know if there's any more backstory to it. But he basically wrote like minor. It was. You know, minor setback. Um, um, thank you for all your support. I, whatever. Nobody's reported on it, so I don't think it's, there's hmm. anything to make of it. Okay. Okay. Because, like, you know, if that had been something bigger, it would have made me sick. Kind of like RJ Barrett missing the game due to illness. Look Should at us. Leave that one right there, because that's just yeah. That's again flawless victory. Thank you. Game recognized um, game. Did you hear that? Because I had, I think I had it. We had a few people, whether it was in my DMs or in our, in the Discord or whatever. So, like someone told someone that he like threw up on the floor. Is, we, has that been confirmed? I don't know. I no, thought when, I saw that from somebody. I don't know if. Whenever I, I think of throwing up on a basketball court, I just think of uh, the Puke Walton game when Luke Walton's last game coach of the Kings and the drunk guy who was sitting courtside oh threw up everywhere and they had to stop the game. And then Luke Walton was fired. After that, so yeah, that was that was very appropriate. Yep. Um. Yeah. So RJ was sick. Let's we'll get back to that one in a second. Jalen Brunson also again seems like a million years ago, which is another reason why maybe the Miami win was the best win of the year. It's I I don't know what you want to pick the Boston game, the last the most recent Cleveland game, the Miami game, or the the uh, the Philly game. I think all of them have a argument for best win of the year, but the to win the Miami game without Jalen Brunson, because he was sick for that. And then for him to come back and do what he did um, to follow it up against the Clippers was, was something special. Yeah. Uh, RJ. Right. It, I was going to say not, else? not bad for a team that doesn't have any quality wins, right? Just named four of them that happened in the last three weeks. It's a, yeah. It's just a big week, a mm. big last few weeks mm-hmm. for this team. I, I hope they could really use it to, propel themselves forward but again we will we will see what happens um in the next several days okay um okay andrew is typing it into the chat mitch's instagram post was a general thank you for your prayers okay thanks andrew for the clarification i'm sorry i brought anything up um rj was sick he didn't play they got off to this dreadful start perhaps with a little bit of a hangover effect from the previous game um uh, and then they came back without RJ Barrett. Again, they started without RJ Barrett. They came back without RJ Barrett. Are you putting anything into the fact that RJ was not there and they had a really good win? Or are you just leaving that one where it is? Now with the poison pill, I'm not. 
I, why you always got to make? Why do you always got to coinize it? You got to, you got to, you got to. When you ask me what my thoughts are, I'm going to give you my thoughts. That's your thought. I know. Okay. Just saying. What I was asking. Yeah. Okay. But um, no, I I don't think it was more than what no, it was no, no. Have to be. No, I'm not saying no. you are the one insinuating. Just generally, like when someone gets scratched around this time, there's always like the idea of yes. trade, trade, trade. I don't think that was the case. He. And as Ian Begley even said, he was legitimately sick that day. He tried to give it a go, and he just couldn't. So let, let me let me rephrase that. He earlier this week was benched down the stretch of a of a game, uh, the Laker game, right? Mm-hmm. And then was not benched down the stretch of the Clippers game. I'm trying to not get things confused here. And even though he had played poorly, now he ended up hitting some big shots at the end of the Clippers game. Um, I meant for more from that perspective, like the fact that they had a very big win without RJ Barrett anywhere near the court. Did you? I see. Yeah. Did you give any consideration to that? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If Evan Fournier doesn't go super scion, if Juice McBride doesn't make the contributions, then we might be looking at a loss. And then it's kind of just like, well, if they still lose without RJ, what are we talking about? If they're winning with our, if they're losing with or without him, then like, what is the conversation exactly? I think the fascinating part is that when you look at a lot of the players who have been playing key roles for the Knicks, you know, not to like harp too much on plus minuses, but when it's so staggering, it's kind of eye opening where you've got what Brunson, Randall, Mitch, and IQ all with really solid plus minus numbers. And then you have RJ who's just, very much fallen off a cliff in comparison. So I don't think this game in particular said too much about it. We won't, it's not like we can run this again and have the same thing with RJ and not, but he just hasn't been their best young player under 25 for a little bit now. So it was interesting to see what it was like without him. And I'm happy that the other players stepped up the the non core guys that Tibbs trust lifted the Knicks in a way they needed it to be. Uh, good transition because now we're going to get to headlines and um, this doesn't it's not a perfect uh, connection but I, I do think all of this stuff anytime you bring it up potential moves the Knicks could make might think about making down the line all of this stuff is connected because I guess unlike some teams in the league where it is very like teams that perhaps have a very clear superstar player and or a a superstar and then a co-pilot or, you know, there's a very clear hole um, in, you know, maybe the starting five, like Cleveland, you know, they have a need for a starting small sport. The Knicks, nothing is ever simple. The only thing that you know for sure if you're a Knicks fan is that Jalen Brunson is probably going to be here for as long as this president has a job. Other than that, um, I don't know that I would bet my life on any one player being in on the Knicks, you know, honestly, like past this summer, because who knows what trade is going to become available. And, um, you know, when you talk about RJ, it's always like, well, you know, what might happen with him eventually? And like, does that mean then you're committing to Randall and or vice versa? If you if you look to move on from Randall, you can and all of this stuff, um, which I, I again, I find no, I don't think anything huge is going to happen in the next several days. But all of this is connected because um, if there is some thought as this season has gone along and you just referenced, he has not been one of the, he's not been the best Knicks, young Knicks player. 
well, should they look to potentially use him as an asset in the summer? Perhaps that means that they will be more inclined. Perhaps, not saying they will, perhaps they will be more inclined to keep Julius Randle. And uh, the longer they want to keep Mr. Randle, perhaps, again, perhaps it means that the door to uh, meaningful productivity uh, in a Nick uniform will continue to be more or less shut for one Obi Toppin, which is our first headline. Um, the Knicks and Jazz have had uh, what has been described as exploratory conversations uh, surrounding Obi Toppin. I know who was the first one to report that. It was the Athletic, I think, or was am I miss? Am I forgetting that? Well, it was reported this summer with the Donovan Mitchell trade that they at least talked about Fournier and Obi Toppin. Yes, um, but re- recently more Michael Scotto was he the yes yeah, sorry the it was Michael Scotto yep. sorry sorry Mike I apologize Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype and then uh, that was also uh, Jake Fisher followed up with a report Mark Stein followed up with a report so surrounding Obi Toppin and Fournier and um, traffic compensation for Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt um, your your thoughts Jeremy well before I go into that you, just to backtrack for a moment you were saying with some of the lines of how you don't see anything big necessarily happening. Could you just elaborate on what that means to you? I don't see them making a move that impacts the starting lineup would be the safest way that I could, I think I could put it. Okay. So basically I don't think they're trading for OG Ananobi and I don't think that any other big biggish sort of move is going to present itself. I guess if you consider trading Obi Toppin a big move, then I then I, maybe I would disagree. I, I I am on the fence as to whether I think that they will trade Obi before Thursday. Okay, so before I answer this about the the, the Michael Scotto report, I thought of something over the weekend, piece some things together. I think I know. At least I have a theory as to the direction that the Knicks are trying to go. And I want to talk it through with you, if that's cool with you. Please, I would be on. Okay. Now, listen, here's the other thing. You're a smart guy. There's a very good chance that you catch on. So if you do catch on, just keep it. Keep it yourself, and we'll get there. I promise. No, because you, you, might, you might actually figure out where I'm going with this, and then you'll right. see. But Okay. So the first thing that... and. I, I talked about this on uh, Strick and Roll with Schwinn. So if you already heard this before, those of you listening, you get it again. But the first thing that really caught my eye was Stein's report this weekend about Cam Reddish. Do you remember yeah. what that was? Uh, I know there are a lot of reports, so I can remind he's you. He's very likely to be moved. Mm-hmm. Was it uh, specifically in reference to a particular team or player? If, if, that, if so, I forgot. So there was talk about... You know, the idea of Reggie Bullock and the Knicks maybe oh, being yeah. split with, with Tibbs, with the coaching versus um, the front office and what that could be. But Stein said something that really caught my, my attention, which was that the Mavs don't have expiring salary to send back that the Knicks want. And this sets off a bell in my head because as we've talked about, there are all these reports, it seems like the Knicks would be interested in someone who expires in 2024. Okay, well, why is it that they'd suddenly want expiring money? That doesn't help them if there's a star trade over the summer. In 2023 or 2024, sorry. 
that they would there's what uh, Mark Stein's saying is that they don't want Reggie Bullock because his money would carry into 2024. They want expiring salary in 2023. Um, The difference of course is okay. Well then what does that do for you? If you're the Knicks, you're like, it's just against what they were doing. They don't create cap space by moving cam reddish for an expiring salary. They're not in the luxury tax. So they don't have to worry about trying to get underneath it. So they don't start that clock. So it just felt very weird to me that they would want expiring salary when we've thought about money for later. So I kind of tucked that away and played with it. Then this report comes out. The Fournier, Toppin for Beasley and Vanderbilt. And of course, there's the draft pick comp. Don't know exactly what that would be. Um, I'm sure the Jazz would love a first round pick because why wouldn't they? In my mind, what could be a nice middle ground between that is the Knicks own the Jazz's second round pick in 2024. The Jazz have their 2024 pick. It's top 10 protected, which is why I still think they're going to try to tank next year because then they could keep that pick. If they tank and keep that pick, their second round pick is in the 30s. I think that's an important factor. Yeah, sure. So, but then I kept thinking, you know, like, why this deal? Why does this make sense? And I saw a lot of people talking about how Vanderbilt is an Obi Toppin replacement. And it makes sense because Knicks move on from Obi and, and all that. And I don't buy it. And I know you wrote about this a little bit in your newsletter for today, Monday. Mm-hmm. He's not a fit. Oh, Vanderbilt doesn't fit what the Knicks do. Like the Knicks prioritize shooters one through four, and they have their five being a rim runner. Vanderbilt is very much a small ball five. He's not a shooter. What's more, since Obi Toppin came back this uh, from the injury, right? The minutes high that he had, this is since January 9th, has yep. been 16 minutes and 24 seconds. Okay. Jared Vanderbilt's low in that time frame is 16 minutes and 41 seconds. Point being, Vanderbilt's playing a lot more than Obi Toppin is. So it's not like the Knicks would bring in someone like Vanderbilt to just play maybe half the minutes, give or take, that Obi's playing now and doesn't fit the construction of the roster. It doesn't make sense to me. And what's more, the Knicks are saving money in the proposed deal, which again, doesn't add up. Why are they keep trying to do this? It doesn't make any sense to me. And then we see another report and it's okay. Well, the Cavs are interested in Cam Reddish uh, and yeah. potentially going back would be Chetty Osman and Dylan Windler. Like one of those two guys, lo and behold, Chetty Osman is a team option for next year. It's non-guaranteed. Dylan Windler is a restricted free agent. So it's very much in line with this whole, you know, situation with, the Knicks seem to want to get expiring money, but then they don't. Why? Why is all this happening? And then it hit me. Jared Vanderbilt is essentially the perfect prototype that Masai Ujiri loves. He is a long wing who can play the five and be versatile. The Raptors are number one in the NBA in deflections per game. They have, if you look at players who have at least two deflections or more per game, there's 73 of them. Of those 73, five of them are Raptors. Oh, with, that's impressive. With Ananobi being number one. Number one. Yeah. And Van Vliet being number five. And you got Jared Vanderbilt, who is 60th overall. And he is on a Utah Jazz team that has three first-round picks, overcrowded rotation, 
trying to find ways to move things around may not even necessarily fit what they want to do. And the thing about it with this, with this proposed trade is it's just like the Cam Reddish thing last year where you could split up the, the jazz deal and then you could aggregate salary. So if the Knicks did Fournier for Beasley and then they did Obi for um, Vanderbilt, they could break that into two different trades. And of course, then it wouldn't be, well, the Knicks traded Obi to get rid of Fournier. That wouldn't be the conversation. It would be, no, it was Obi for Vanderbilt. And then it's Fournier and draft pick comp for Beasley, who, by the way, is we've talked about him. I know I brought him up when there wasn't a whole lot of scuttlebutt. His defense is just really bad. So yep. like this is why I don't think that if you're the Knicks, you don't have to do Fournier for Beasley. If you could no. just do Obi for Vanderbilt, you can get away with it. But let's say they did both, right? Let's say they did for both those parts and you can still aggregate that salary. And now we're talking about a situation where you're taking Vanderbilt's salary and you're taking, you know, Chetty Osman's salary and you're going back to Toronto and you're offering protected picks, Vanderbilt and the expiring salary of, say, in this case, Osman. And that actually works for OG. Like the, the math does get you there. It may not seem like it. You could also, you could turn this into a four team deal. Like you could get crazy with it. And if you plug in the 14 deal, it works. If you do a Baca and Hill instead and you do Cam and Svi Mikhailuk, it works as a 14 deal. It fits very cleanly. And I think that the reason why the, the Raptors obviously were against Ananobi in the first place, uh, trading to the Knicks, we don't know a lot of the details in terms of what the Knicks offered. We know they offered three first round picks. In my mind, what that probably was, and I don't have this, none of this is sourced. It's really just, me putting pieces together. It was probably the Knicks saying, we will give you Fournier and three protected firsts for OJ Ananobi. And the Raptors felt they could do better. And they didn't want Fournier's salary the following year. And so then they basically can do this and go back to Toronto and say, look what we're giving you. We're giving you picks. We're giving you Vanderbilt, a player that meets what you want. We're giving you expiring salary. You move off of OG. We get him. You can tank do whatever you need to do. And we all walk away happy. That's my I have, theory. I have a couple thoughts. One, why not just send Rose as the expiring salary? to? Toronto? They could, but it's because of the fact that the Knicks have also said they, they want to treat Rose the right way. I, I agree with you. I think the pure capitalist move would be to send Derek Rose to Toronto to just get it done with. But the fact that it's reported the Knicks want to do right by him leads me to believe they wouldn't go that route. But they could. They absolutely could. All right. Um, let me see what I could add. I don't think it's nuts. Um, I would be... I think if you zoom out, I think you would agree with me that it's a lot of machinations to... with the end goal of essentially like, we got Jared Vanderbilt for you. Right? Do, do, uh, you understand my point there? I do, but here's it's not specifically for Vanderbilt. It's I know we, it's not, but but the, here's the thing, right? We're we're talking about a team that has done the improbable when it comes to moving around. This is a team that traded for Cam Reddish last year and then tried to flip him again three weeks later. This is a team that traded for Ed Davis and then flipped him right away to another team. A team that has gone up and down in the same draft and has moved across the board, traded out, which we went over and talked about how nuts that was. I'm at the yep. point where 
the machinations you're talking about, yeah, they're they're it's a little all over the place. But if it meets the end goal that they want, they've shown that they are willing to do it. Let me let me say what I think. One, I think the Toronto Raptors and the discussions that they had with the Knicks, and again, I don't know. I don't know when the, these discussions took place because, again, as Ian has reported, or Ian's reporting has always specified, Ian Bagley's of SNY, his reporting has always specified um, his understanding of the talks about OG and OB for or, or when before the Knicks won eight in a row and turned around their season more than two months ago, which is when uh, it was reported by Fred Katz of The Athletic that they were talking Emmanuel quickly with teams. My understanding, or my belief, I should say, is that Emmanuel Quickly is the guy that the Toronto Raptors, at some point in time, when they talked to the Knicks, were interested in acquiring. And my guess, my guess, guess, is that the Knicks don't want to give up Emmanuel Quickly in a trade to obtain OG Ananobi. Or at least maybe that's my hope. Somewhere between a hope and an educated guess. That's number one. Um, Number two... I think there is perhaps, perhaps an alternate uh, explanation to the Vanderbilt thing. I completely agree with you. And again, it was confusing to me, too, as I was writing about it or trying to decipher it because it doesn't feel like a clean fit. And then I was going through some of the numbers from their season today. Do you know that during... So the Knicks for the year are not a good defensive rebounding team. Um, But when they have been a good defensive rebounding team, they've also been coincidentally um, or not a very good and actually an elite defensive team for them. Defensive rebounding equates to great defense and the numbers bear this out. They've been a bad defensive rebounding team in the entire year, except for one stretch of games. And it was a stretch of, um, I want to, I hold on. I have it right here. Uh, it was from December 9th, to January 6th. It was a stretch of almost one month, exactly, four weeks. They were the number one defensive rebounding team in the NBA by percentage. And they were also the number one offensive rebounding team in the NBA by percentage. They were the, they were absolutely dominating the glass at both ends. Not coincidentally, they were the number two defense in the league during that stretch of time. Do you know who happened to be sitting on the bench during that stretch of time because he was injured? Obi Toppin. In his place was a very weird, very wacky double center lineup that we were watching and we're like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. But you would look up and like they were doing just enough right as far as like what they did. And it wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty because you don't you're not supposed to play two centers in the league today. Jared Vanderbilt. It, you could kind of slide into that role and be like, well, he's not a center. He gives you a little bit more defensive versatility. You're shaking your head. I'm just. It's an alternate theory. It's, that's all. I understand, but the reason, or a main reason why Obi Toppin can't get minutes is because Julius Randle plays ahead of him. Yes. And he doesn't play, they don't shift Randle to the five or have Obi play the five due to the fact that Tibbs wants a rim protector at the five for 48 minutes. Yes. Tibbs is not someone who will go small. The minutes keep getting squeezed. And I do not see, especially come playoff time, if the Knicks even are able to have that conversation, where there is then a role for a player like Jared Vanderbilt on this team as constructed with this head coach who does exactly what he's doing with the similar amount of minutes that he is playing. 
I just, I don't like the fit. I understand the defensive rebounding. And I hear you on that. I don't see the avenue for him to get the time where it is worth it, where you are then taking his salary and you're, you're hanging on to him for the rest of the year where I'm sure there are other teams that might be interested in him and you could always try to flip him. But then you're in the same boat, arguably, actually you might be in a worse boat than with Obi because the benefit with Obi is that you at least get matching rights. And Jared Vanderbilt is an unrestricted free agent at the end of 2024. Yep. And if you're the Knicks, you can't really extend him because he's going to want more money than four or five million dollars. Yep. And that's not how the Knicks really work. They don't they don't go about this way where they typically get these young players who are unrestricted free agents who they can't keep without like they'll want team control. And there's no way that they can have team control moving forward with Jared Vanderbilt. It's it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a move that they would make both on the court and for the salary cap. And that's why I'm just so perplexed as to why they would be doing this. And I'm trying to think of all the other things that are coming into play and how they're shifting gears and um, something just, something's amiss. You, you, you might be right. If I could push back gently one last time. Yes. And again, talk about talking out of my ass. Cause we don't, we have, nobody has any idea what this is going to come. But we just got more updates earlier today from Woj about the CBA possibly changing if they adjust the rules about extensions and being able to extend players for more than 20% raise. And that would impact the OG Ananobis of the world. And it would impact potentially the Jared Vanderbilt's of the world who are si- who is signed to a dirt cheap contract where, as you said, he can't extend for more than whatever it is, four or five million dollars. And he's going to earn more than that because he's a good player. I don't just... Something to consider. I, I I like your theory. I guess the the end goal, the end point that I'm at with this is that it it feels like Masai's history to me. I could be wrong. Suggests that he is not going to trade OG Ananobi until he at this deadline without getting 120 cents on the dollar. And to me, that means. I think that means multiple unprotected first round picks. And do the Knicks want to do you you disagree? Okay. Well, I, I don't I don't I'm not shaking my head incredulously at you. First of all, the CBA, I hear you, but if you're any of the 30 teams that's making a deal, you don't go into this deadline thinking like, oh, well, it could happen. And that's why we should like do you it's think either no more than is is being let on though? Maybe. Maybe they do. But it's a sort of thing where at least you don't want to base it on that because if you're wrong it could screw up a lot of different uh, plot points here um i i agree in terms of that Masai is going to want quite a lot to offer or he's he's gonna want you know 120 cents a dollar as you're saying what is 120 cents on the dollar for og and anobi that's it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily have to be unprotected picks and and all this like if you you also have to look at the suitors that are out there we keep hearing about We've heard multiple reports about the Knicks being interested. We're hearing about the Nets suddenly there in the mix. Like, yeah, is that Mavericks trade, that pick probably of value? Yeah, I would imagine it's it's very valuable. Um, but are they getting bad salary back? How many other picks are they really able to take? Because I still maintain that the Sixers pick that's getting yielded to the Nets, that's top eight protected years from now. We're looking at a Sixers team that could 
you know, tank its way down because Embiid will be pretty old by then if he's still there. Like it just, there's so many, so much uncertainty down the line with those picks. Whereas, or they might be good, or they might be good. Like you never really know. So that's why I'm a little surprised. I think also if I'm looking at the team like the Suns, wouldn't you rather get Pascal Siakam? Or if you're across the league, how many teams are looking at OG Ananobi and saying, we could trade for OG right now, but what happens if four months down the line, Kevin Durant says for the second year in a row, I don't want to be here anymore. And we just spent all of our capital on Ananobi and not Kevin Durant. And now we're out of the game for a truly elite player. And that's, that's what you trade a lot of your picks for. So I just I think there are other teams that could certainly get Ananobi. I just don't think he's as high on the list of priority prioritization as he would be for the Knicks, who are not looking to get a star. I mean, yes, they're generally looking to get a star, but like there does not seem to be one because it, it's not going to be Siakam. So in the time being, you just get better as a team and you add more talent and you trade from your surplus. And your surplus is your picks, and it's the players that are on your bench. Some that are getting minutes, some that aren't. And you find ways to make other teams happy too. And that's just the, you know, the cost of doing business. Um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought the Suns thing up because we were going to hit on KD anyway, that he is, who knows, maybe the, I mean, according to Stephen A. Smith, at least he's, the, you know, maybe he's going to be on the table. I don't see it happening before Thursday's deadline. That's, I mean, that's obviously not an informed opinion, but I, that's just my guess. Um, and I love that you brought up the Suns there because that should absolutely be a consideration for them. Like, let's not give up any picks right now because I, I think they are, unless I'm missing someone, the most obvious OG Ananobi suitor, at least on paper. And so if you're, if, if you are the most obvious OG Ananobi suitor, but you are also the most obvious Kevin Durant suitor, then you want to prioritize one over the other, as you just said. Um, and then there's Memphis out there, but nobody seems to think Memphis is going to do anything in terms of making that large of a move. And then there's New Orleans, which is the other team that has been reported as a as an OG suitor, and they have a bunch of picks and young players. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, the one thing just to add with the Pelicans, salary wise, they they've never gone to the tax. They're not going to go into the tax. And I will when I believe when I see it, I will believe it. Nope. You get to a point in a few years where when it, when an OB would be a free agent, they are a tax team. And then if you think they get relief the next year there's a good chance they may not because Ingram needs a new salary and they've got to pay Valanchunas and it just might be tough. They might have to think long-term. They have to think about if Ananobi would want to be there, if he wants to be in a smaller market like Memphis as well. And I think if you're the the Suns, they're... Yeah, but when the Suns are also getting a new governor as of what will be today. Two days Tuesday, (laughs) Right. Uh, I don't see their big splash because of course he wants to make a big splash don't really blame him being Ananobi like I'd just be surprised if that were it I could see it being Siakam I could see it being Durant this summer I I like on paper yeah he would be a great addition I think they're probably looking for someone who's more of a natural four than they are Ananobi who can he's versatile defensively but they'd probably be a little small just in terms, because like he's not a four, you know what I mean? Like OG, uh, in a, I mean, in a perfect world, he is playing some three for you, some four for you, and maybe a couple minutes a game at, at five for you. Um, like he has that versatility if you absolutely need it. 
No, I, I agree with you. Um, look, if they trade for OG and OB, beers on me. Um, I don't think it'll happen. I do, however, think there is a lot of. I think the Knicks are trying. I, I think they're kicking all the tires. I, let's just say that. I think they're. I, I think they are leaving no stone unturned. And maybe they can say the same thing about every team in the league. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not behind the scenes with this shit. Uh, but I, I try to go on what little information I have. I think the Knicks are. I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes right now because I think they're looking at what they have. They're looking at where they are. They like where they are. I, I would wager that they would want to be in a, even a better position than they are in now. I do not think for one solitary second, Leon Rose and the front officer shouldn't be back being like, hey, we're in seventh place. Isn't this Jim Dandy? You know, uh, no, that's no. Just trust us on that one. That is not how they are going about the next several days. Okay. Enough with that. Do we need to talk about the fact that the Dallas pick maybe got a little worse, maybe got a little better because uh Kuki Kyrie got sent to Dallas. I mean, I don't, I don't really have too many thoughts on it. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like as a, as is everybody else. Yeah. Schrodinger's pick, I guess go up, could go down. I don't know. I don't really know. It's one of those things you just have to see play out and go from there. Fascinating to see how they treat Christian Wood. They might move him. I would be surprised at this point if they, they kept him just because of they need some sort of defensive minded player. And I who no, not Christian Wood. Who are you talking about? You talking about some uh, Reggie Bullock? Christian Wood can't play defense. I know I that's what I'm saying. Someone else. No, I'm talking about the fact that I with Kyrie and Luca in the mix, I don't see Christian Wood staying on the team. Oh, because okay, of the I, fact I, that they need someone who can I, okay. who can help them defensively, and Sorry, he's I, probably their best trade chip. I miss him. No, all good. Okay, so um, I just I can't believe that they traded their 2029 first. Kudos to the Nets for boxing them out because the issue now is like, and you know, I was listening to the Patreon, the, the Patreon pod you guys had. The Nets, uh, excuse me, the Mavs, they could have traded that 2025 first, as you were saying, John. They absolutely could have. The rule is it's just two years after the pick conveys. It's not like it's locked and you have to go with 2027. But by doing it in 2029, the Nets have boxed in the Mavs because if they wanted to make a big trade this summer or down the line, it's really hard to do. Because this summer they could trade 24 and 26, but they can't trade 28 because they've traded 29. And they can't trade 30 because they've traded 29. Okay. Uh, they could do 25 and 27. But again, they can't trade 29 because they already traded it. So they can only trade two firsts, which like if they re-sign Kyrie, you could be looking at those firsts not being very good. Yeah. And then what value is that to another team? So kudos to the Nets for making making out of a not great situation and getting something of value. And I think the Mavs are just, I am very surprised that they actually did it. We'll see how it works out for them. Um, I will say this. I think it was very fortunate for the Cleveland Cavaliers that um, LeBron James was born several miles away from where their team plays and thought about thought, thought, uh, enough of giving them a second chance. Uh, Luka Doncic, as far as I know, is not from the greater Dallas area. Great, great Dallas Fort Worth area. So if you lose that guy, uh, I don't know if he's coming back for seconds. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Knicks fans? This new year, you've got goals, and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Game ball. All right. Who gets our game ball for this week? Boy, do we have... You could put the whole freaking team as a list of nominees. 
Jalen Brunson, how's this for a stat line for a week? 33, 4, and 7 on 52, 47, 81 um, slash lines. That's not bad. Evan Fournier, a clutch 17 points, including 5 of 8 from 3 versus Philly in RJ's absence. He also had a nice game against, uh, what was it, Miami, right? Um, thought he played some good minutes against Miami. Deuce McBride, last three games, 53% from the field. 65%! Oh my God, where did this come from? Guy hadn't made it three in 10 of 11 games prior to that. Uh, 65% from three, 83% from the line, plus 41 in 44 total minutes. I guess that's for the week. Um, I did dig up that he had the third highest single game plus minus for any Nick this season, trailing only um, Julius Randle and Quentin Grimes for uh, one of the uh, a game they blew out the Pistons and they won over the Pistons by 30. So good job by Deuce McBride um, in those three games. Thank you. Um, Isaiah Hardenstein, 54% shooting and um, 48 rebounds, including 21 on the offensive glass this week. Julius Randle named to his second All-Star game. Congratulations, Julius Randle. Third two-time Nick All-Star since Patrick Ewing. And then I did not write this. I'm just reading the words on the page that were written for me to read. Tom Thibodeau. I'm going to read the exact words. Despite his harshest critics, 29 and 26 has a top six offense via cleaning the glass and won games versus Cleveland, Boston, Miami, and Philly without Jalen Brunson for one, RJ for one, and Mitch for all four. Let's see who gets to give the game. Let's see. The game ball is given out by the person who won the previous, yes, the previous week. So that would be me. Okay. Um, I will give the game ball to... Man, I could go in a lot of different directions here, and my heart's going like I could. I, my heart's going in all of these different directions because I really, I kind of want to make the case for a lot of these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going with my. I really am going with my heart for this one. I'm going to give it to Isaiah Hardenstein. Isaiah Hardenstein. I know I did. Wow. It, but it, it feels right. Isaiah Hardenstein. Man, he kind of became. Or has be- had become over the course of the season um, the punching bag. I mean, because Thib- Thibodeau has moved beyond punching bag. Thibodeau is like, I don't know, boogeyman at this point. So uh, Hardenstein has kind of become the guy that game after game after game after game, you we could rely on almost regardless of how the game went. I would get up and do a post game and there would be a handful of comments about, I never want to see Isaiah Hardenstein again, trade this guy off my team for anything. You know, and like every year, I think on every team, there's a guy that kind of inhabits that role, some role player that just doesn't look like it's working out. Well, this dude has not only come back in a big way, but he has come back in a big way in the ways that this team needed him to come back in a big way. And that is by defending a little bit, getting tough, getting tough on the glass, protecting the rim a little bit, had a great block against Philly, had some, oh my God, did he have some dynamite rebounds in that Philly game? Um, And they needed it. They needed it because Mitchell Robinson is, I just mentioned, Mitchell Robinson's not here. And he's not going to be here for another little while. So, Isaiah Hardenstein, congratulations, man. You get my game ball. Good choice. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm going to go with Deuce McBride. I love it. Just, you know, again, my whole thing with Deuce, I will fully believe it when I see it. And we've seen it for some time. Just the flashes. And then dipped a bit. Came roaring back with a vengeance. And some of those threes that he hit were just enormous 
just incredibly clutch the save that he had to when the ball was thrown. What was it, Brunson at the towards the end of the Sixers game yeah. where McBride was leaping to get it? Just acrobatic play, completely necessary. He's just he's just a fun player, great fun player yes. to see. Um, pesky little guy. I say that he's certainly taller than me. I mean, all these guys are, but regardless, great to see him go out there and kudos to the Knicks drafting. On a scale of one to 10, how much will it bother you if they make a trade that doesn't trade Deuce McBride out, but essentially removes him from the rotation? Um, the 10 being mad? Yes, 10 being the most like aggravated or upset you could be. Uh, all depends on who's coming back, but I'd go with uh, a solid seven. I'm right. I'm I about just, there too. You know, like I, yeah. I understand. This is the other thing where it's like, is Tibbs going to, if the Knicks bring in another person and they're not really taking out a role player, is Tibbs going to go 10? Because I don't understand why necessarily need to do that, especially with kind of the dog days of this, the season approaching and you want fresh legs, especially come playoff time, play in time. So I would sincerely hope that he incorporates Deuce into the mix. Otherwise, it's just um, not a huge fan of it. I'm with you. Uh, detention candidates, the Empire State Building. What in the entire hell was that? I don't know. RJ Barrett, um, am I supposed to do a Charles Barkley voice? I'll just read Charles Barkley voice because I can't do a Charles voice. You can do the inflection. We, I don't even know how to do a Charles Barkley. Well, you don't have to, to do the voice. You just do the inflection of like what the words would be. We are going to start a dialogue. Perfect. Okay. That was my best attempt. Tom Thibodeau, despite his most passionate defenders, the end of game play versus LA was still awful. Yes, it was. Obi's usage and playing RJ 44 minutes while being ass or feeling like it. Um, Nicholas Batum couldn't just miss. No, he could not. Uh, NBA coaches as a candidate collectively. Jalen Brunson should have been an all-star, according to uh, the aforementioned Charles Barkley, as well as Kenny Smith, Killineal, and... uh, Ernie, too. I think I had him on his, mm-hmm. on his ballot. And then finally, last and least, Tom Brady. Fucking stay retired this time. There you go. This is this is you, sir. I'm going to go with RJ as much as it bothers me to do it. Um, it's just it's just frustrating. Uh, yeah, like part of me wanted to have Tibbs in there because I think that there might be this mindset when, when it comes to RJ Barrett of Damned if you do, damned if you don't for playing him versus sitting him. I, but I don't, I don't agree with that, right? Because RJ was really struggling for the Lakers game. And then he hit, what, three, four shots in a row, started getting going, went to the bench, didn't come back. Tibbs is allowed to sub out with overtime. I don't know if he knows this. Same, same way how he's allowed to use his challenges. He can do that. He is allowed. It's frustrating, though, because I mean, like RJ then, of course, played really well against the Heat. It's great to see. And he was trusted. Missed the last game due to injury or excuse me, due to sickness, which was annoying. Um, and the Clippers game, he just he really struggled. It was bad. Um, just was not his night. Kept bricking. And I, I think that at a certain point, right, like. And I know in talking about Ananobi, we could 
factor in the fit with RJ and what it means for RJ moving forward. And we know that they tried to move RJ, but it was for a superstar. Well, depends on how you view Donovan Mitchell. Whatever. He's a superstar-ish. He's superstar, yes. Superstar-ish. And um, just like the writing for me has felt like it's been on the wall for some time. It's just, it makes it so hard to counter that when RJ has weeks like this, when he has performances like these where it's just, it's a mixed bag, but it's really not greater than it is worse, right? He, what I thought were generally two bad games, a great game, and then was out due to illness. And maybe he can't, you know, it's not, the illness part might not be his fault, but he's got to play. Like, I don't mean that in the sense of like, you, you have to play if you're sick. It's more just, as we always say, ability, availability is the best ability. And if you're not playing and you're not playing well, what happens to the rest of the team? It, it just, it's, it's a challenge. It really is. And I want to defend RJ, but and he's, he's taken steps in the right direction. Don't get me wrong. I think he, he has shown meaningful improvement, but it just, it's difficult. It really gets increasingly more difficult as time goes on. So um, I'm going to give it to RJ. I felt those words, Jeremy. Um, I, I don't really love any of these choices. Oh, fuck it. I'll give it to Tom Brady. Uh, mostly for that picture I saw on the internet today of him in a bed taking a selfie of himself, I think. I did not see that. That's probably for the best. Yeah. Don't go looking for it. Uh, Tom Brady, like, examine your life choices and stay retired, please. Okay. <clears throat> On that note, predictions. Uh, it has happened. I have caught up somehow, somehow, some way. Uh, so we are set up for a final third of the season, final final home stretch, uh, which should be fun. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, we are both seven and seven, and we have a three game week. And those three games are at Orlando on Tuesday. Uh, that is a 7 p.m. start time. And then at Philly on Friday, another 7 p.m. start time. And then a back-to-back, coming back home from Philly on Saturday. That's that's weird. A three-game week with a back-to-back, um, which is whatever. It is what it is. And that Saturday game is at home against the Jazz. Um, so to me, it the obvious pick to me is 2-1. Is and one. There is a part of me that wants to go there's a part of me that wants to pick one and two because I do not think they're beating Philly again. <laughs> Just throwing that out. There. I don't think they're beating Philly in Philly. Um, I think Philly will find a way to win that game, which means if I think they are going to lose to Philly in Philly, which I think they're going to lose to Philly in Philly, then that means I am saying they're going to go down to Orlando and win in Orlando, which I, I, I've been talking about this for weeks. Orlando's playing well. I do not think that is going to be an easy game. That is going to be a hard game. It is not going to surprise me in the least if that is a close game with five minutes to go. So there's that. And then you got the Utah game, which we'll see what's left of the Jazz after the trade deadline. We don't know. Um, But like, you know, I expect the Jazz, regardless of what they do at the deadline, to continue playing hard and and, uh, playing pretty well. They've played well enough all year. You're forgetting so, a very important thing as well. What am I forgetting? The game against the Jazz will be the Evan Fournier revenge game. 
Might be the Obi Toppin revenge game too. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but this is listen. It's the last third. I'm, I want to win this, and I'm going with my gut, and I'm going to pick one and two. I can't believe I'm going to do that. I didn't. Okay. I don't want to. I didn't think I was going to. I'm picking one and two. It's fair. I mean, listen. When when you've won it all, the other seasons don't really matter as much. You're a little jaded. I don't begrudge the fact that I didn't get to pick the first week of the season, which I would have gone with the correct one of one and one. Oh and I would have been up right now. I, I don't begrudge that. That's not I don't live in the past like that. You know me. I would never harp on that. Never. So in that spirit, I will go with two and one. I I don't think you're off about one and two because I had a feeling if you picked two and one, I would have thought like, yeah, you know, I could talk myself into the magic being a good team. And like with Markel Fultz, they have just been a lot of fun or the jazz being super competitive. And yeah, the idea of going to Philly, you kidding the weekend of the Super Bowl and those fans not being charged up. Like, yeah, it's tough. And then I thought about how this week was two and two and I thought it was going to be one and three. And I thought the Sixers game was a scheduled loss. And after, um, just hats off to the Knicks too. The second night of a back-to-back Incredible. where they were playing basketball within two games within 24 hours, which I understand with back-to-backs that usually happens, but sometimes you'll get one game in the afternoon and sometimes the evening. I mean, it, the way that the start time and everything was just terrible, but they prevailed for the second game and they were very close to the first. So I'll go two and one. I respect one and two. We'll see what happens. This is one of those where I feel like I can't lose because if they go two and one, I'm going to be thrilled. And if they go one and two, I'm not going to be thrilled, but at least I win the week. So there's a silver lining. Um, That's how I'm looking at it. Okay. Before we get out of here, a few announcements. First of all, thank you for watching, everybody. We love you. Um, Announcements. Um, Factor. So you, if you have read or if you've listened to this podcast, um, you have probably heard various ones of us uh, reading ads for a food company, a food food meal delivery company called Factor. Um, I don't know if you've heard the ad that I have read, but I'll just say, um, you know, with, as with a lot of these products that we promote on here, we got the opportunity to get a free uh, box when we first started doing the promos. And um, boy, did they do a good job selling me because we got the one free box and then my wife and I signed up for the service immediately and we still get factors uh every week we get uh six meals so three a piece for each of us and they're delicious they're easy to heat up it's they're nutritious they fit with our diets that we try to do the whole thing so uh announcement number one if you want to get factor delivered to your home and it's a i can't tell you enough it's a fantastic service um and again the food's good it's not too expensive but if you want to get 50 percent off Go to um, I just it's factor.com, Andrew. If you want to come in here and, and save me for a second, um, and then you're going to use it's factormeals.com, factormeals.com slash film school 50. There, and then you'll get 50% off your first box. I was literally writing that banner, and then you're you reminded me, oh, I could just jump on stage. That there makes you go. So, um, factormeals.com backslash film film school. 50 go check it out um you're you're at the very least you're going to enjoy the first box and if you want to keep using it you keep using it okay announcement number two uh next folks will lunch break so i did one of these today um meaning monday uh 
plan is to do Tuesday and Wednesday as well. Just me hopping on for 45 minutes to an hour in the middle of the day to recap, rehash any trade news, trade rumors, this, that, and the other thing. And of course, most importantly, take your questions. I took a bunch of questions today. I hope to take even more on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, that is around noon each day. The plan, I think, on Tuesday is to go live around noontime. Um, Cream. We got another episode of Cream. Cash rules everything around me. Jeremy Cohen, uh, details on that. Yes, that'll be Wednesday, February 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Andrew is kindly rocking the Cream shirt that we've got. So, you know, oh, it looks beautiful. Love it. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have less than 24 hours until the deadline by that point. Be really cool if a trade broke during it. That'd be fun. Get John to come in. I would. Who knows? Yeah, it would it'd be great. I'll this, for sure. Yeah, you know. Um, so come join. Be a lot of fun. And uh, then we got you set for the next day. Because what's happening the next day, John? Uh, the next day is our trade deadline live stream, which we are very excited for that. So that is going to be uh, from 2 to 4 on Thursday. Um, and Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. Um I have a feeling we're going to have some stuff to talk about <laughs> on Thursday. Uh, one way or another, we always do have a lot to talk about on the Trade Deadline live streams. Those are always fun. Those are always a good time. So uh, come 2 to 4 on Thursday. Again, Nick's Film School YouTube channel. And then last but not least, uh, if you are a patron listening to this, this week's playback, unsurprisingly, is Tuesday night. Uh, they play the Magic. I, I really want them to win that Magic game. Um, even too. though I just picked one and two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, if you're not a Knicks Film School patron, uh, consider becoming one. Um, you could just go to patreon.com and check out all the different tier options. And um, with the with the basic one of those, you get a bonus podcast every week that me and Andrew host. So we always have some fun fun guests too popping in. And then you get to uh, do playbacks with us. Watch the game with us once a week. Uh, actually, twice a week now because we'll be doing the Casual Fridays crew for a second game. Once a week and twice if there's a game on Thursday because then the Casual Friday crew doesn't have a pod to do. We do the playback instead. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is that. Anything else, Andrew? Do you want to see Tom Brady? No. Okay. I went and found it. I think I now, I, I think, and I well, saw now we have to. I, now we have to show. We have to. Unfortunately. I'm looking away. That That's your goat. <sighs> this is your king, New England. I'm looking away. This is a sign of a man that lost everything to go eight and ten with Todd Bowles. Out of the side of my eye, I see the picture is still up on the screen, and oh, it's there again. Okay, and it's gone. There you go. Thank you. (sighs) It was like the Babadook or something. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, reference. There you go, Uh, Jeremy. Anything else for you, sir? That'll be all. Okay. Uh, Watch a true. I actually have a question for both of you. Who's the last time we're going to talk in pod form? Well, no, okay, Thursday we are, so I guess this may be premature. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Jeremy, how about you? Chiefs, okay, so Chiefs, and then... I'm going to say the Eagles in the attempts that that does not happen. So I'm going to go with the Eagles winning by a score of uh, 420 to 69. (laughs) I'll go Chiefs... um, I'll go Chiefs uh, 32 to 17. Okay. I will go 
Eagles 31-17. And I have Eagles money line right now. So there you go. Claudio right. curse is in effect. <laughs> Giddy up. <laughs> fuck Philly. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. Uh, and fuck Tom Brady. Uh, we will see you with more fun and games very Speak it to my heart right now, Macri. Jesus. Key culture, <laughs> we'll you want to throw them in there? We didn't even take what? 10 nope. seconds to laugh at the Nets. Yeah. Oh, we've lasted yeah. them so much. All right, well, one I'm, more. It's, it's no. <laughs> okay, there. We, we will have enough. There you go. We'll see everybody later. Bye.